Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your Market View. Now, we are going to wrap up the week by talking about China. Investors have been keeping a close eye on China's reopening as the country reported its highest number of daily COVID 19 cases since the start of the pandemic. Now, if you recall, some 31,000 local cases were reported on Wednesday, breaking a previous record set back in April. Now, while China has all along stuck to its COVID zero policy, what's more tricky this time around is that the development came after China recently dialed back on some of its pandemic measures and signaled a renewed focus on growth. So with China's cabinet also pledging new stimulus measures to revive the covid battered economy this week, what are the chances of authorities reinstating containment measures? Also, where do market watchers expect growth to look like for China for this year and the next? Now for more, let's speak to Brock Silver's Chief Investment Officer at Kaiyuan Capital. Hi Brock, welcome to the show. Great to be here. And great to have you on as well. Well, um, Brock, markets have been rather focused on China's reopening and a possible reinstatement of COVID measures for much of this week. So what are the chances of reinstating containment measures and have that been priced in by markets so far? Well, I think what China did recently to ease restrictions was always uh, a fair bit of window dressing designed to kind of calm markets and influence public opinion. But markets reacted as if China had really turned away from zero COVID. And unfortunately, that just wasn't the case. Um, And China really didn't do that. Case numbers are now surging on the mainland. And I think we can expect a continuation of the prior COVID regime. And the sad fact is I think markets uh, are going to be disappointed by this. Right. And with hundreds of workers joining protests at uh, Foxconn iPhone plant in Zhengzhou, as an example, do you think China can afford to lock down factories and, you know, just lock down towns and cities going forward in the long term? It, it depends what we mean by afford to. Um, from an economic standpoint, it clearly is having a major negative impact. Um, but, but this goes beyond economics at this point, and, and Beijing has simply decided that some of these things they're going to do regardless of whether or not markets and investors like myself uh, approve. Okay, so that's it about what's going on in China. Wall Street is turning increasingly bullish on Chinese assets, uh, driven by this notion that you know China cannot remain closed forever. Mainland Chinese shares are over 7% in November. The yuan is on track for its first increase in nine months. So to what extent do you think the China reopening trade is going to be one of the big global trades of 2023? Unfortunately, I don't think it will be one in 2023. Let's cross our fingers that it could be for 2024. You know, COVID was always a temporary problem. We were always able to look beyond to a day beyond COVID. But markets are now reacting as if solving the temporary problem somehow also solves uh, present structural problems, and it won't. Even beyond COVID, China's facing a number of very daunting economic problems. You know, we have a, a cyclical slowdown, a rising rate environment, an insolvent real estate sector that really threatens uh, sort of the banking sector as well, a deteriorating U.S. relationship, and, and so on. So I still am fairly bearish for China on 2023. I, I think it will be a rough year. 
Right. And you mentioned about real estate, and I want to turn our attention to look at China's property sector. Yesterday, we saw mega state-owned banks offering at least 270 billion yuan, uh, some 52 billion sing dollars in new credit to property developers. But looking at what the government has done previously in terms of spurring the economy uh, during this time, how effective do you think or do you expect this new round of support to be? Well, effectiveness is is subjective, dependent upon how we view the goals of the policies. You know, just like COVID, I think markets really wildly applauded as if these were huge moves, but the reality is is somewhat smaller. The new yeah. credit focuses really on residential housing completion. That's an important social goal, I think, for the Chinese government. And, and that's fine but they really do little to alleviate the overall insolvency of the real estate sector. Um, mm. That's something China's going to have to deal with. Now, Chinese developers suffer from massive over-leveraging, and, and right now the solution is to give them more access to greater credit. Uh, it, it's just kicking the can down the road. Mm. So what do you think is needed? Uh, what do you think the government needs to do to solve the problem or to, to target the root of the issue? Well, unfortunately, there are no easy solutions. Um, China isn't in a place where it can easily solve its current economic problems without, uh, without enduring some at least temporary negative consequences. So that's why I think we've seen a bit of indecision as, uh, as Beijing authorities are uh, essentially kicking the can down the road in order to buy a bit more time in the hopes that better solutions might arise. So would it be right to say that there is still no clear solution or clear road ahead from the authorities as to how they are looking to solve this issue? There is definitely no clear solution that has been communicated at mm. all to, uh, to markets and investors. That being said, PBOC advisor Wang Yiming has still pretty bullish about China's economy. He said the economy will likely grow more than 5% next year. But the caveat is that if COVID-19 disruptions end and also if the government roll out more policies to boost consumption. So with all of that caveats, that looks like pretty big caveats to me. To what extent do you think investors can take heart in his prediction? And what are your GDP expectations then? Well, with all respect to uh, to Wang Yiming, there's there's in my in my view there's just no way real Chinese GDP hits five percent in 2023. Um, first, COVID is hardly over. You know, we've seen this week that uh, that COVID has some other ideas that that contradict Mr. Wang's hopes. But more importantly, what Wang is really saying is that the recession will will end once there are pro growth policies. Well. That totally ignores what we see happening in China's economy. The economic model itself has changed. And even post-COVID, and that's a, 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 that'll be a great day for everyone, but even post-COVID, we're still not returning to the go-go growth days uh, of yesteryear that were fueled by kind of real estate and endless credit. That, that, that period has now passed us. Hmm. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Brock Silvers, Chief Investment Officer at Kaiyuan Capital. So looking ahead, uh, Brock, what are the opportunities and challenges for China for this year and also the next? Well, if we look at sort of the coming five quarters, I, I see some, some significant challenges for China. It simply has to get debt under control 
and to restructure both, I think, the real estate and the banking sectors. However, I don't see how it can do this without either undertaking unacceptable liberalization measures or enduring unacceptable recessionary effects. And it has to sort of work through this choice while also trying to diffuse a growing crisis of confidence in China by Western investors. You know, the dollar bond debt repayment schedule for 2023 looks absolutely brutal. So we'll know that Beijing is committed to more than sort of pushing this problem onto tomorrow once it announces a plan to deal with with Evergrande dollar bond creditors. Right. You mentioned about dollar bond, and I want to touch on uh, currencies. Earlier, we also saw billionaire hedge fund manager Bill Ackman. He released a series of tweets where he questioned the sustainability of Hong Kong dollar pegged to the US dollar. He says it's only a matter of time before the peg breaks. So I just want to get a second opinion. What are your thoughts on this? Well, Bill Ackman is a genius. And I think on this one, he's right. From In my view, the peg is not long-term sustainable. Now, my timeline may differ from uh, from Bill's, but the peg to me simply doesn't make a lot of sense at this point. Um, Beijing cannot like having bureaucrats in Washington deciding Hong Kong economic policy. That has to that that has to be a, a, a burr in their saddle. Washington also can't like giving China a, a permanent U.S. dollar window. Now, Hong Kong loves the peg, but in this equation, Hong Kong really doesn't get a vote. So. What Ackman is, is, is betting is that the market can find a line beyond which Beijing loses interest in defense. And in that case, I think it wouldn't simply be a weak and freestanding Hong Kong dollar, but the focus would shift to an RMB-linked Hong Kong dollar. Um, this isn't, a, a, I don't think this will happen in the very near term, but that is a result that makes more inherent sense to me. In that case, where do you see the Hong Kong dollar and the Chinese yuan moving for at least this year and the next? Well, a lot of it depends on the U.S. Fed. You know, U.S. rates are set to increase by at least, I think, another 100 basis points in the near term. And, and, and that's, I think, at least another 100 basis points. Now, this should continue Hong Kong's economic weakness. And, and I think Hong Kong has undoubtedly become too comfortable in the prior era of easy money. While the, while the Fed is raising rates, though, the PBOC is more of a mind to lower them. So I, this also will set the stage for further yuan weakness, at least in the near term, which means there's not a lot of good news on the currency front, um, I would say, through 2023. Mm. And moving away from currencies, Brock, let's take a look at China's uh, sectors. EV market seems to be growing rather rapidly. China's share of uh, global passenger electric vehicle sales, that has gone up to some 56% in the first half of this year. We're seeing companies like Tesla, Mercedes changing their marketing tactics, pulling out all the bells and whistles to attract customers in China amid growing competition. Question is, what will the growth story of Chinese EV sector look like in the near term, say, one to three years? You know, China's EV sector is fascinating, and I have sort of a, a split view on it. I, I can't make up my mind. Um, China's domestic sales are growing in large measure because of government subsidies. And I don't think that Beijing can do this indefinitely. Now, personally, I think the sector has been overinvested, which will lead to a lot of disappointment. But but again, much depends on how far Beijing is willing to go in subsidizing uh, consumer behavior. 
Now, one thing in the sector's favor going forward is that China's electric cars really run on Chinese coal, and they support Chinese battery manufacturers and other component manufacturers. So I think going soft um, on the on China's nascent EV sector may be increasingly difficult for Beijing. So fascinating sector, um, lots of activity, um, and a bit of it is still up in the air. I think. Hmm. Oh, finally. Before we let you go, Brock, how should us as retail investors in Singapore position our portfolios with regards to China? Well,、um, you know, look, I, I I love Chinese markets. I'm deeply involved in them, but I also see China as、uh, somewhat uninvestable right now. So, as an example, I, I'm just uninterested in funding common prosperity. I'm interested in finding profitable investments to make.、Um, JD.com just announced a 1.4 billion dollar payoff to Common Prosperity this week. Now, I'm content to stay on the sidelines at least until the economic conditions improve, because right now China's facing the the sort of dual problem of this investability concern as well as simply declining environmental、uh, a declining environmental environment. After the economic conditions improve, which I suspect will be after 2023, or at least into the second half, then I can reassess the underlying question of basic investability. So my advice to Singaporeans is to look to Singapore for your investments、um, at least through the coming year. All right, thank you very much, Brock, for the insights. That was Brock Silvers, Chief Investment Officer at Kaiyuan Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.